Good morning. Our scripture reading, our Old Testament scripture reading this morning is from Hosea 9, sorry, Hosea 11, verses 1 through 11. And you can find that on page 905 in your pew Bible. Hosea 11, verses 1 through 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they, return, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like the one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt? And will, they, and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me, even though they call me God Most High. I will by no means exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I, how can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God, and not a man, the Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt, trembling like sparrows, from Assyria, fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading is Colossians 3, 1 through 11 found on page 1,184 in your pew Bible. I was struck that when reading through this, just before coming up here, uh, just the image that Vic shared of Christ standing between us and, um, and God the Father. <laughs> so Colossians 3, 1 through 11. Living as those made alive in Christ. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and, the, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self which is being renewed in the knowledge in knowledge in the image of its creator 
Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, hello. Oh, there it is. We good? All right. Just start waving at me if that stops working and I can switch. Uh, I'm, I don't know about you all, but I am loving the, uh, the 90s worship mix today. Oh, man, so good for my soul. And then I, my imagination went to, you know, picturing the band. I look and I saw, like, all of you in your 20s. And then I saw Scott Vanderlyn. <laughs> Behind one of you, and I just said, my imagination went to, like, band practice earlier this week. Like, what should we do? And Scott, like, opening his briefcase and be like, I've got a playlist that'll knock your socks off. <laughs> like, typed up on a typewriter. <laughs> Let me tell you about a little band just called Third Day. <laughs> is, that, is that how it happened, or? Joel and Barb. All right, so just same story, just... Switch Scott to Joel and Barb. We'll say, we'll say that's what happened here. Uh, all right, let's pray. Uh, God, uh, we thank you for your word. And uh, we thank you that you speak through your word. That for uh, generations through epochs of history, uh, from the 90s until now, you continue to speak through your word. And on this day today, uh, to this people here at Sherman Street Church, uh, we pray that our ears would be open as you speak, that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be open. Help us, Lord, to catch a glimpse of you again today. In Jesus' name, all God's people prayed. Amen. So, uh, three movements today. Uh, Three acts, if you will. Uh, I'm a fan of This American Life, the podcast. Act one, drafts in the waste bin. Act two, a long obedience in the same direction. Act three, lives hidden with Christ and God. Act one, drafts in the waste bin. Uh, So it's not uncommon in this sermon writing process to at some point in the week, and sometimes this doesn't happen until Friday or even Saturday or sometimes Sunday morning, for the preacher to to shift direction. And uh, it's always a little bit upsetting and kind of throws... Anyway, that... That's, that sometimes happens to me, sometimes once, sometimes it's happened twice. I think this week I switched direction probably about three or four different times uh, until uh, I kind of landed on, okay, I think this is what God wants me to say, which we'll get to in Act 2 and in Act 3. Uh, but there's so much in this text in uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 11, 
which is a part of why I was like torn. I should talk about this, and I got to nuance this, and people are going to wonder about this, and we have to talk about this. Or, uh, so my act one drafts in the waste bin. This is essentially my like rhetorical device to kind of do a quick sort of, I was going to say this and this and this, but I'm not going to say any of those things. Uh, so I'll just kind of take you through my week a little bit here. And, uh, you know, by Tuesday morning at Bible study, uh, we talked about this in the, the Tuesday morning Bible study, 9.30 a.m. Every Tuesday, you're all invited. Uh, and I was excited about the past tense. Since you have been raised with Christ, since you have died with Christ. And we talked about, went in the direction of uh, God has already, in Christ, done the heavy lifting. As Colossians 1 talks about, uh, God has reconciled, God is reconciling all things in Jesus Christ. And we talked a lot about that, verse 11 here, that but Christ is all and Christ is in all. And we imagine together what it would be like, what, maybe what this means to live with our minds and our hearts fixed on things above. Perhaps that's a different way of seeing in the world. Perhaps that's an invitation to go through life believing that God has already saved the world in Jesus Christ. It's just not yet manifest. And the invitation of the Christian life is to just say yes, amen, and live a life of gratitude. Amen and thank you. But God has already done the heavy lifting. And then a couple days later, I started reading uh, this book, Colossians Remixed, Subverting the Empire, which this came out in 2004. Uh, it's by Brian Walsh and Sylvia Keysmat. They're a married couple. She's a, a Bible scholar, New Testament scholar, and he's a, a chaplain in uh, the CRC in Canada. And uh, it's written in 2004, and it very much has kind of the zeitgeist of, you know, post-9-11, uh, George W. Bush years, but, but this whole idea of reading Colossians through the lens of Paul calling us to be a part of a people, a body politic that subverts the empire in our day, the, the empire of consumerism and the ideology that wants to define us as consuming beings and these never-ending thirst. And, and they brilliantly, you know, they address this question are these verses in Colossians 3 a call to uh, this, what some would call heavenly-mindedness, to be so heavenly-minded that we're in, of no earthly good? Perhaps you've, you've heard some of this language used, I would say abused in that way before, right? Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It could be used to justify this escapist way of being in the world, to block ourselves off from the cries of the poor, the pain and suffering that Jesus leads us into. And, and in this book, Colossians Remix, they so brilliantly say, no, this isn't this Gnostic, the material world. That when, it, when Paul talks about shifting away from fixating on earthly things, they say what he's doing is he's giving us through Christian imagination a reimagining of our lives in this world. It, it ends up doubling back down in an earthly existence, but through a heavenly lens, through a kingdom lens, through, 
through a new narrative counter to the narratives of the empire, a narrative in which each of our stories, they say, are redefined by the story of Jesus. And they point out that all throughout Colossians, it's, it's we die, we have died with Christ. We and our old selves have been buried with Christ. We have been raised with Christ. Our lives are now hidden with the ascended Christ who is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And one day our lives in Christ, with Christ, will be fully revealed in their glory. So then I got all excited about that for a day or two. And then I read another chapter of Colossians Remix where they they, uh, talk about verses 5 through 11 and these vice lists. For some of you, you might have, you know, and I remember this when we read this in, uh, in Bible study on Tuesday. Verses 1 through 4, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Set your minds on things above, for you died, your life now hidden with Christ. And then verse 5, Paul then shifts to, Therefore, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. He lists anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. And I read their chapter on these vice lists uh, at first thinking, you know, vice lists, there's so much baggage that that list maybe draws up in some of us. Uh, But then I got excited about uh, how they beautifully talk about, again, this ideology of consumerism, this insatiable lust for things, and how Paul is connecting sexual immorality, notice, with a list that ends with greed, which he says is idolatry. And, I, you know, a couple days ago, if you would ask what I was going to talk about, I was going to say, oh, I'm going to talk about sex, and I'm going to talk about how Paul is not, in fact, saying sex is bad here. Paul is saying sex is good. Sex is this wonderful gift that God has given us. And when Paul is talking about sexual immorality, he's not talking about Matthew Vines. He's talking about Bill Hybels. He's talking about a sex that... When sex becomes married to greed, when our culture defines sex through what he call what they call this industrial sex, this lustful, self-interested hunger for sex as a commodity, that it leads to death. And so Paul, of course, says, put to death these patterns that lead to death. So I was going to talk about all that, but I'm not going to talk about any of that today. Instead, uh, I want to really just tell a story. This is Act 2 today. A story I'm calling uh, a line from Eugene Peterson, a long obedience in the same direction. Because again, this, this, this week I've been wrestling with this question. Here's the question for me. What does it mean for us for each of you, for us here at Sherman Street, to live out this kind of life that Paul 
is speaking about here. To live from above, so to speak, from a heavenly perspective. What does it mean? What does it practically look like for us to live our lives now out of this place of hiddenness with Christ in God? I have a, uh, a sermon support team, which includes uh, Chris Booth and Jane Page and uh, Michael Page, and they, they touch base with me. I'd like to, at some point, expand this bigger than just one family, but uh, at this point, they have been wonderful. Uh, and we were talking yesterday, and they gave me permission uh, to share this as we discern this. We were talking about Paul's uh, last day of work, Friday night, after 50 years at UPS. 50 years to the day. What was it, Paul? July 29th? As a teenager, he started July 29th, 1972. Uh, and, you know, so we were, we were meeting to talk about all this other stuff, and I was like, yeah, how did his last day of work go? And, and at work, in the middle of his shift, they... Uh, when it was break time at UPS, they sort of shut down operations, and something like 200, 250 people gathered to honor Paul's 50 years of service, and they had a mic, and Chris and the kids were there, and Jane and Michael came, and, and uh, Camilla and uh, their daughter Chloe drove from Pittsburgh, made it just in time. And people uh, on the break floor, they, uh, I love this image, Paul you know, if you know anything about Paul, Paul's like perpetual deacon around here, and he's just, uh, most of you know Paul, but if you don't, he's just this quiet, humble servant who, if it needs to be done, he shows up, and he does it, and he works hard, and uh, is just such a guy of such, uh, such wonderful consistency, uh, but he's also a person of joy, and uh, when I was talking with Paul last night, he said, you know, one of the things, he's like, most of the guys know me, and a lot of these guys are, you know, in their 20s, and they all know me as the guy who's, like, hardworking, will go, 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 and doesn't slack off. But he's like, but I also, it's important for me to reflect to them something of the joy of my life. And so he, he said, my calling card is sort of, uh, he saves big strips of bubble wrap, uh, and he said, not the new stuff that's, you know, that's a precious commodity, but the stuff that's in the garbage, that's like some of it's popped. And when he drives his little kind of three-wheel thing around, he drives over it and just enjoys at the end of every shift, the pop, 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 pop. And so for his celebration, they laid out uh, 1,400 feet around the whole building, and... Hundreds of workers lined this with confetti, and he drove through. Uh, he was, thought it would take 10 minutes. It took 17 minutes. <laughs> but then people shared stories, and what was, uh, again, with permission, I share this. Uh, uh, it was one of these moments where, you know, we all know and love Paul, uh, and he's not one to draw a lot of attention to himself. Even, even when I you know, asked his permission. He said, well, you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable being in the spotlight, but I trust you, Tony, and if it serves the greater good, if it will, 
<laughs> I hope I'm not wrecking your trust here. But it really, there's a humility in this. If, if it points people to Jesus, then, then you can say whatever you want about me. Uh, and he said, so long as you, you know, you, you mentioned that, like, I too am a, I'm not a perfect guy, and, and yeah, we know that. And of course, Paul has good days and bad days, like any of us. And, and he said, and, and there's, he said, there's so many people in our church that are such wonderful people. So I promised him I would nuance, you know, he's not a perfect man, and there are other saints in our midst too. But it was one of these nights, one of these moments where people shared stories of Paul, and it was so clear. Jane said, you know, people knowing just your Paul's sister-in-law, she said probably 10 or 12 people came up to her and told her these amazing stories, like one man emotionally saying, when my dad died, Paul showed up to the funeral, and Paul didn't even know my dad, but that's the kind of guy that Paul is. And people just talking about uh, this wonderful man and sharing these stories, uh, and two different people said to Jane, what is his secret? What is his secret? And so, ultimately I thought, you know, what to do in this time up here this morning as we think about what does it mean for us to live lives from a heavenly point of view, how to, to live out of our hiddenness in Christ, uh, what, what better example than Paul Booth and people like Paul, again, he's one among so many here. Uh, something that, that Chris said you know, she, she was reading this chapter, and right after verse 11, where, where our reading ends, it said, instead of these vices, you know, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility, and it lists all these, and above all else, love. And she, she realized, she said, you know, thinking in light of last night and Paul's celebration and uh, thinking about this text, she said, I remember that these, this was the scripture reading at our wedding, and she said, I just felt overwhelmed with gratitude that I had married a man that has taken his vows seriously and has lived out these virtues. Uh, and so today, after today's service, we've got donuts from Marge's. Uh, Paul's got a personal connection there. His father is friends with Marge. Uh, and so we're going to celebrate 50 years. Isn't that amazing? I thought, I was like, have I done, I mean, obviously I haven't done anything for 50 years because I'm 40. <laughs> but I was like, what has been consistent in my life for anything near, I, and I thought, I have a Brett Favre rookie card that I got like <laughs> 25 years ago. But one could argue that it's easier for me to hold on to that than to show up for 50 years and do a hard job packing boxes <laughs> and, uh, and to do it with such grace and such humility. Um, I want to end on Act 3, Lives Hidden with Christ and God, uh, by, by shifting, shifting our, our mindset, again, towards the God in whom our lives are hidden. Again, back to this original question. What does it mean for us to live lives hidden with Christ in God? Um, and I just want to read a few lines. comes from Thomas Merton, who... I keep coming back to Thomas Merton, but this is something I found myself in the last couple of weeks just 
as I talk with people in pastoral care situation, uh, I keep coming back to this image because I know so many of you uh, are deconstructing, have been deconstructing for a while, and that can be such a scary thing. And I've found so much comfort in my own deconstruction in this, this paragraph from Thomas Merton in which, and he says, we don't, we're not always aware of this, but he says by, it's a, it's a grace if the person, he doesn't use the language of deconstruction, but that as we're deconstructing, that we have something of an awareness of we're actually making progress when we do that. He says that it actually is great gain. And here's, here's what he says. He says, he describes it. He says, the life of the, con- of the contemplative, the life of prayer pushing deeper into knowledge and intimacy with God. He describes as this great burning of idols. He says a holocaust takes place in the soul in which the steady burning to ashes of old, worn-out words and cliches takes place. He says contemplation is no painkiller. This can be such a deeply painful thing, as those of you who have gone through this or are going through this deconstruction process know well. He says, it is a terrible breaking and burning of idols, a purification of the sanctuary. All these things that it turns out are not God are being torn down. And in the end, he says, the contemplative suffers the anguish of realizing that they no longer know what God is. They may or may not mercifully realize after all that this is great gain because God is not a what. God is not a thing. There is no what that can be called God. There is no such thing as God because God is neither a what nor a thing. But God, he says, is pure who. The pain, the agony of realizing that you don't know what God is. The slashing, the burning, the clearing of the idols, the clearing of that sacred space. He says these abstract notions begin to become replaced by this intuition, this concrete intuition of God as person. God as relationship. And then he says this. We come to know God as pure who. God as the thou before whom our inmost eye springs into awareness. God as the I am before whom our own most personal voice echoes, I am. What does it mean for us to live now in this already but not yet with lives hidden with Christ and God? In one sense, I think it's, it's this great mystery of the relationship between the incomprehensible God who at the end of the day all of our imagery for falls short 
And all we know about this God is that God is a pure who and that God is the I am through which our own I am springs forth. And I think this hiddenness of our life now in God, it's hidden now, it's held, it's hidden and held in this mystery by the God of love, the God who Paul says in Colossians 1 and Colossians 2, we see in the person of Jesus Christ the image of the invisible God. It's held there now safely in the love of God, and yet at the same time, ourselves, our truest, deepest selves, are still hidden in the, the war between the selfishness of this vice list that Paul and the greed and the idolatry and the life that we're invited to be set free in. And one day, Paul says, Paul the Apostle, not Paul Booth. That was another concern of Paul's. He's like, a lot of kids when I did Sunday school would get really confused (laughs) about, are we talking about Paul the Apostle or Paul Booth? Paul the Apostle says, when Christ, our lives, he says this, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. But when Christ, who is your life, appears, then also you will appear with him in glory. Our lives are hidden. Our truest self, in many ways, remains buried in the sin, the idolatry, the, the ways we choose to live out of counter-narratives rather than out of belief and trust in the love of God that defines us. The ways we fail to live seeing Christ in all. But one day... When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we also will appear with him in glory. We, too, will be fully set free in the love of God. Isn't that good news? I come back to the image. I love the image of the celebration of, of Paul. Again, as a man who himself, his life is still hidden and still not fully revealed. But Friday night... This glimpse, these things that, these stories that could so easily have gone missed, how they were revealed, and the celebrate this, I have this image of him driving this cart, and hundreds of people with confetti flying, this celebration, this moment of revealing of the goodness of God, uh, a life lived well as a signpost to the goodness of God. Let's pray. God, uh, we thank you for uh, thank you for who you are. We thank you that in Christ we have died. We have been buried. We have been raised again. We have, in a sense, ascended with you and live now with you at the right hand of God the Father and In you, Lord Jesus, one day we await the full revealing of your glory and of our sanctified selves. Lord, help us to live out of that secret place. 
Help our every day, our every moment to be lived with our eyes fixed on you, Lord Jesus. May it be true of us. May people wonder about every one of us. What is their secret? May our lives cause people to lean in and want to know more. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people prayed. Amen.